We there yet? We there yet? The podcast with Rich Kiamko. Ah, that's me. (laughs) Hi, we're here. We're back at WTY. We there yet? Podcast. I'm live in New York City with comedian Dan Natterman. Hello. (coughs) Dan, thanks so much for joining me today. Sure, wouldn't miss it. Uh, so, Dan, I think the, I guess the a huge moment, we there yet is about, are we there yet, what's the comedy journey and what are these great moments that people have? And you were on America's Got Talent in 2014, which I guess is like a year, just over a little over a year ago. And you made it to the semifinals? Well, yeah, the semis, I guess it was. I mean, it was still huge. I mean, millions well, of people have seen you. I guess so. You were great. Thank you. I thought you were great. Uh, there was a little... A little beef with Heidi Klum. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I don't know if, if she understands English perfectly. Right, it's I not think her first language, so I, you know, I don't know if it was a linguistic thing or, or, or what it was. But yeah, I mean, I think it's it's now just for the, our listeners. You can all you can all go to YouTube and do America's I don't Got. Know it's still on YouTube. I think they probably took down that season. But oh no, it's it's there. Oh, it's it's there. there. I've seen it. I've seen it, and uh, you could see Dan's journey. Uh, from the initial audition, uh, well, the whatever, what they first they show, and then sort of the process. And there is an amazing, which I think is an incredible joke you do about, uh, and I don't, I wouldn't do it justice, but you do it about people learning Braille because it's practical. Cause someday uh, you may right. go blind. <coughs> but there was a, you were, you made an aside, and I know in, when I've seen the joke in earlier incarnations, you talk about, you, you, the, the sort of the tag is Mexican. Yes. But in this case, because Heidi was well, there. Well, it wasn't because Heidi was there necessarily. It was because, well, partially because Heidi was there. But Mexican is always funnier. Right. There's something about the word Mexican and about the associations of the word Mexican that's funnier. But the producers didn't want me to say Mexican because they thought it, in and of itself saying Mexican had sort of a racist, could be interpreted as racist. And some people would no doubt interpret it as racist. But in this case, Heidi interpreted it as anti-German. <laughs> Um, it's racist you, to Germans. You know, I didn't know that you could be racist to Germans necessarily. I mean, <laughs> I, th- I thought white people and it, and and the joke doesn't make fun of anybody. If it's anything, just it uses the word of a nationality, and some people, when you just say a word, interpret that as negative, even if you didn't say anything negative about that word. Right. I mean, and and it's your credit. She made something like against learning language. I think it, the joke for me was about. Uh, people's Americans' arrogance about not having to learn other languages. Well, it was that we don't need to. Right, right. And the reason we don't is the same reason that people that cannot see don't don't learn Braille. And Braille would be more practical because you might go blind, but you're not going to go Mexican. <laughs> now, that's the original <laughs> joke. But I, they, the producer said that was racist. Just the word Mexican or would be perceived as such. Right. And so I said, well, Heidi is German. It might, might be... Um, you know, it might be better. You know, might be better to say go German, especially because in the joke, the guy that my friend that was asked German, me, right? Because I said, what my friend asked me, why don't Americans learn other languages? And and in the, the joke, the friend is Jurgen from Germany, and I thought it'd be fun to say Germany. Heidi, you're from Germany, right? Yeah, Jurgen from Germany, and include her. But somehow she interpreted that as making fun. Right, and she's and she said Just like mentioning the word German apparently and acknowledging that she's from Germany. She found offensive. Right. But I think the challenge, too, is she's not English is in her first language. Right. So it could be that uh, it could be that she although I'm, 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 I'm sure she understands English very well. and She speaks it well. But right, it right. could be that she doesn't. P- 
perfectly understand every every word and but every humor, nuance. But humor humor is also something that's beyond language. It's it's nuance. There's well, kind of yes, it could be that she doesn't understand every nuance, or it could be that she's just an idiot. Right. Or well, both. I don't know. Or just the fact that there's a million cameras on her and you just call her out. She has... Well, sh I said she was from Germany. I don't think that's outrageous. Right, right. I don't but think I'm it's outrageous or insulting. In, in a civilian's mind... But maybe in a civilian's mind, she doesn't want to be told that she's from a foreign country. Right. Or, or whatever it was. She gets nervous. You're, you know... You know, I, she should be grateful that I'm... I'm, I'm Using the word German without any association to World War II. I'm, I'm right, right. I mean, right. the fact that I'm in including her a as if being from Germany was, you know, a regular thing. <laughs> uh, you know, but um, and I even I'll say in the I'll joke have a, that I I'll have a clip here for for all the listeners so they can watch it. And and uh, in the joke, I say I have a friend from Germany, so I'm welcoming Germany back into the family of nations, in in a sense. Right, you right. Know, saying that I have a German friend, I'm saying, hey, you know, let's forget the past. Right, right. But I, I think, and also you, s and she says something about not learning languages, and you actually speak French. Yes, yes. Uh, so other, I other mean, the joke is not. Um, the joke implies that I am an ignorant American, in, in linguistically speaking, I right. may be an ignorant American, but at least no, I, I'm not ignorant in that sense. Uh, I do speak French, not perfectly, obviously, but rather well. I did watch online. I watched your set in French. I don't speak French, but mm -hmm. I, I understand when a room breaks into applause break in any language. You got some laughs. It was uh, great. Did you see the one I did in Montreal or the one I did in Paris? Uh, uh, I think it was Paris. Well, oh. that was an older one. I have a more recent one that's actually better. That so now, were you, in, were you at Just for Laughs I this was, summer? but I was at Just for Laughs, but I wasn't in... The, the Just for Laughs is French and English. I was at the English press festival, but, but I did do a set in French at a comedy club located near where everything was going on, called the Bordel Club. Um, and it was uh, it's somewhere in Montreal, but my I, w I went there with this guy, Rashid Badouri, who's a very famous French-speaking Canadian comedian. Mm -hmm. he's, his ancestry is uh, Moroccan, I believe, but he's French-speaking Canadian, and, and he's actually quite a big name there. Right. And so he said, hey, you, you want to come? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not doing the Quebec accent justice, but <laughs> you come uh, do a set? That's not really the accent. Yeah, but anyway, can't, he... Can't. There's more... Eh. <laughs> yeah, I don't eh. do it well. But he asked me if I wanted to come to a set so, uh, at this place called the Bordell Club, so I went and I did it. Huh. Incident on a related note, is, I mean, no, maybe nobody cares. Are you a Celine Dion fan? I know who she is. I, I'm I, not like a crazy uh, fan. Okay. So, mean, so you know. her son, Rene Charles, spoke at the funeral of... Because uh, he died, the father, Rene, Rene Angelio. Right, right, Celine's right. Celine's husband died. and So the funeral was in Montreal, and, and Rene Charles... This is the most bizarre thing I thought. He 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 spoke at the funeral in English, because he was born in the United States. They he grew up in Florida. Huh. Uh, his parents uh, spoke to him in French, but he grew up in Florida um, and Las Vegas as well. Yeah, and yeah. Speaking and going to English schools and all this, and his friends are all American and so on. He, okay, so so apparently he's more comfortable in English. But the crazy thing was he spoke in a thick. French Canadian accent as he spoke English. In English, I, you got to see this. I mean, I don't know if anybody would appreciate this, <laughs> but but he spoke English with the. I mean, can you call it? I think it's interesting. I don't know if anybody else cares. He speaks English. He goes, "There is not uh, the fa a father and a son is not a lot of time to get to know a father, uh, fifteen years, but we uh, bonded. Uh, you know, I don't know why. Oh my he gosh, it just seemed weird to me." Huh? And was this because this was telecast in England? Yeah, they—they they, well, it's on YouTube. But they—they they, the, the uh, funeral was broadcast all over Canada. 
Oh. I was on the, all over the world. It was on the internet. I think they they did like a simulcast on the internet so that all the world could mourn Renee Angeli. He's a, he's like a in Canada. I mean, not here, but in Canada, he's actually right. pretty. He gets a lot of credit for um, for um, because Celine Dion's a French Canadian artist known all over the world. So he gets yeah, he a lot brought of credit her for to bringing the yeah, bringing yeah. Uh, a French Canadian star to the world stage, which to them is a big deal. Right. Right. So I thought that was interesting, but huh. anyway, um, that was all roundabout. Right, right. That was a but I thought it was interesting. Now, so and I'm trying to get to the bottom of it, but nobody has answers. And no one has. Yeah, I'll have to check with some of my in-laws. They're my partner's from Canada. He's French Canadian, well, British Canadian, but from Montreal. Oh, okay. So then maybe they'll know a story of why. What, I mean, there was no. He didn't do it in French after. He did very briefly. He said a few words in French. Oh. Just uh, like a sentence or two, and ah. then he started speaking English. And I assume because English is his uh, more comfortable language, but he did it with the thickest, craziest <laughs> Quebec accent. <laughs> and I don't understand it, but... but uh, Maybe but it was just so that people could understand... It would be closer to understanding. Well, that could be. You I know. don't know. It may be. Maybe so. Right, right. Maybe when he's in Montreal, he he uh, he kind of absorbs the accent. Right. I mean, I I know for myself when I'm with family, even though I don't speak any of the Philippine dialects, languages, I I feel myself coming across a little bit more. Okay, I talk a little, just, it's sort of a reflex, and I don't know if it's just unconscious or just, I feel like it's the closest I can to speaking to them. I mean, he, of course, if he's fluent, it wouldn't be, I don't know. But I thought, it, I don't know. That, that could be that he, when he's around his family, he picks up the accent, but he doesn't pick up the language sufficiently. <laughs> Uh, to feel comfortable <laughs> enough to give a eulogy in French. Right, right. Well, anyway, let's let's get back to you. So, All so right. you had an incredible journey. Uh, well, I had a journey. Anyway. A journey. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, how did you? What? I, I also saw you on top five. You had your. Oh well, that was one. Yeah, I had one. I'm the king of one line. Uh, I did one line in, in Judd Apatow's recent pilot with Pete Holmes. Oh, and then that comes. Uh, well, that that just got picked up, so I guess it'll come out. Oh great! Uh, so then, do you, do you do you well? What it is, I play a comedian a on stage, so oh, it's not okay. really acting in any real way. Right, right. Um, and it's not really one line. I did a couple jokes, and we'll see how it's edited. Right, you it never may be know. edited to nothing. I may get nothing at all. Right, um, right. But and then and then I just I did one line on in top five. Right. And then Amy Schumer just asked me to do one line on her sketch show, but I'm out of town, and I was like, well. Should I change my plans for one line? I mean, it's going to cost money to change flights, and I decided no. I, I'm happy to do the show, but but I don't feel like huh. for one line. I just didn't feel like wow. switching everything around. And I know people have told me, no, you should. I'd be it happy could lead to something, yeah, but it's yeah. like you know what? I've done a lot of one lines, and it doesn't lead to anything in my experience. So, oh, so I, I I'll do the one. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know if they've they've they found somebody else or not. Well, we're such similar types yeah. too. Well, I, I, it didn't have a particular ethnic type. This particular role, um, but anyway, so so. Um, okay, well, yeah. but you've had you've been. I mean, I was looking at your IMDb, and you've been on almost every late night show. Well, I guess so. Yeah, uh, I haven't done Fallon, which uh, I'd like to do, only because I haven't done it. Right. I mean, that's and the only thing um, left. I think. Well, um, Chelsea Handler. Yeah, I mean, it's exists. it's it's the only thing left that 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 I feel like that I would like to do. In terms of late night talk shows, right, right, you know. But I, I, my sense is that you, with Conan, you can be a little dirty, like a little suggestive. But uh, 
but I don't know if that's the case with Fallon. So I have to get five minutes of squeaky clean Fallon type stuff. Well, but what the stuff you did on America's Got Talent was. But I can't do that stuff. Right, I mean, right. I, so you know. do you feel like like that was your best squeaky clean stuff? Well, that was good stuff. Yes, that was good stuff for that. That would be good on Fallon. But I've done it on on network primetime TV. I'm not right. going to do it on right. Fallon. Now, what was the process for America's Got Talent? Did you did they go through with you what each set would be, or did you just kind of? Yeah, no, they they had there? to uh, prove every every word of every joke. So it was annoying in that regard. And that's like I said, they wouldn't want me to do. They didn't want me to do Go Mexican. So that I had to change it to go German, which ended up pissing off Heidi Klum. To what extent that was responsible for my getting bumped off, I don't know. Right. I, I don't. I think right. I would have been bumped off anyway because that that set didn't go incredibly well. The audience wasn't that responsive. Huh. It might have come off better at, at at home. I don't know. I I thought it was great on the screen, but maybe in the well room. in the audience it was a little bit. Uh, but who? But it's the people that vote are from home, right? Well, yeah, but the judges didn't praise me highly. It wasn't just Heidi. Um, it was Howard. You know, they were all lukewarm. But, um, they weren't like boob, except for Heidi. But they were lukewarm. Oh. God, how does it feel? I mean, when you're up, God, and also the, every time they brought you up, they'd have some ridiculous song. Like, yeah, but I, that was my idea. Oh, I thought it'd be funny to come up to a ridiculous song. Oh, so you set that up? Yeah, that was my idea. Oh. And then I would come out and say, "Who picks these songs?" You know, I thought it was like <laughs> a gag. But I, I wanted "I Feel Pretty," and they they couldn't get the rights to "I Feel Pretty." You know, from, from the <laughs> yeah, musical, from, of course, from uh, West Side Story. West Side Story. Uh, for the second, for the second uh, live show, I wanted to come out to "I Feel Pretty," and they didn't have the right. So I forgot what I came out to something else. I forgot what it was. It wasn't as good as "I Feel well, Pretty." Baby got back. Baby got back was that was the first one, uh, maybe. Right, right. But they were both like heavy, heavy both, rap it songs. Both was not. Your character, from my character, which right, I thought right. was funny, and that's why I did that. Oh, okay. Because I was like, "What?" Because I thought, "Who, who's putting together the, the soundtrack for your entrance?" But I still felt you did. You were great. Now, do you feel, um, after America's Got Talent and making it to the semifinals and having whatever with Heidi, despite that, do you feel like it bumped up? Like, yeah, it helped. Know? I mean, it's you know, it's not star a star making. Nobody becomes a star. Well, a couple people, I guess. Have done pretty well. Uh, Terry Fader, the ventriloquist, is doing very well in Vegas. Hmm. But it's not really a star-making show. None of those shows are star-making shows, except for American Idol. Every now and again, makes a star. Right, right. Uh, but it helps. I mean, it did help because yeah, now you no, can headline at any club. Everyone. Well, it would it? Yeah, but I was headlining anyway. But just. Um, but now it's like, uh, they've all seen you. I, I don't like going to clubs, so I, I just I hate it. I, I I I get I'm getting corporate gigs now more and. One night gigs. Oh, okay. I just can't do clubs psychologically. I um, oh really? I just to be away for that long, and that's in a hotel. Cut. A, I, I no. Uh, I mean, I do them once in a while, but I just um, uh, thankfully I've been getting corporate gigs, and if those dry up, and I'm in real trouble because I can't do clubs. I'm, I'm right, I, I, right. Know. But corporate gigs are also better checks. You get they're better yeah. checks is one and done. Right. You in, you do the show, you go out. Right, right. But usually the shows aren't as good. Right. Well, do okay. you feel it's also a little stiff, and you're in a yeah, you know, people. You're in a big ballroom or something, and yes, it's not know. as good. Comedy clubs, you get generally you get bigger roars, but you're there the whole weekend, and uh, I just can't, I don't I can't do it. Wow. I just hit a wall after 20 years of comedy, just psychologically. Like, also symbolically, there's something symbolic about a comedy club. Symbolically, you know you're at a comedy club, which is the lowest end of show business right right and uh it saddens saddens me and so um i'm in a real i mean you got me on a weird night because 
We're in January, and you know, Jan- <laughs> You're there's a noose. Well, Jan Natterman has a noose around his neck G- right now. <laughs> January is uh, is a psychologically difficult month, I think, for a lot of people. But right, it, it, I mean, everything about January sucks. It's cold. It, it, the holidays are over. But most importantly, in my case, anyway, is that it's the new year, and you feel like this is the new year where things are going to go great. And then after the cu- first couple of weeks of January, and you realize this year is going just like last year. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so, it, it, you know, it's, um, it's, uh, it's uh, psychologically difficult. And it's like, oh, my God, 2016 is going to be the same shit. And, uh, and, you know, and so it's scary because what little, you know, I got a little, as you said, I did get a bump because I, I'm more known. But for how long, you know? I mean, the people forget. Not, I'm not, it's not enough fame. It's not even fame. It's re- it's kind of people. Some people know who I am, but it's not enough to 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 hold on, to make enough money, you know, to right. To, so that you know, it's it's still scary. I mean, yeah. W- what would you like to have? Like, what's I just want to win the lottery, and I just <laughs> want to win the lottery. I play the Powerball. <laughs> I'll tell jokes, but I don't like the pressure that it has to make money this way. It's too much pressure. You never know where that next gig is coming from. I mean, the phone may not ring with that gig. You know what I mean? It's like there's no guarantee. It's yeah, I don't know how long. I've been getting some nice gigs. I don't know how long that's going to continue. Um, so I'm happy to tell jokes, but I just don't like knowing that I have to get this gig and get booked that gig. You know what I mean? Right, right. It's very hot in here. Did I mention that? It, it, I don't, are you hot? Oh, everyone open the window a little? Uh, if you could do Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on. Fine. Please hold. Will we? Should I? There you go. I'm also you're you're in a t-shirt. I have a hoodie on. So that was live. Now we can hear New York. We can hear traffic of New York. 20. Is this on a podcast network? Well, it's on iTunes uh, oh, okay, and on SoundCloud. Yeah, okay. Uh, so what what was what 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 got you here? Twenty years ago, what got I you? you meant what got me to? <laughs> it's a six train got me to this <laughs> office, but which, by the way, is horrible at this hour. Now I know why we need a Second Avenue subway. Right, right. Ugh, it's awful. Right. I'm never on the six train at, at rush hour. Oh, it's horrible. It's absolutely intolerable. It's almost like you're in the third world. It would be faster to be in the third world. It, it's well, you can't move. It. I, I mean, I tried to get out, and it took me two stops to get out. I had I had to plan ahead two stops because there's so much, there's so many people on the train to get to the door. Right. Takes so long that I had to. This, but two stops before I had to get off, I had to get like halfway to the door. Right, right. Just and then so I could get the rest of the way. It's like you're trying to get a first down to get to the end. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So twenty years ago, what 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 was How that moment? How did you get into stand-up comedy? Like what? That's an open mic uh, at Stand-Up New York, which I still go to um, on Seventy Eighth and Broadway. Um, yeah, it was an open. I had to bring three people. You know, it was called we call that a bringer show in the industry. Um, yeah. For those who are not. Um, so I had to bring three people, and, and that's what started it. And you know, and, and the set actually went well. It was a very nice audience, and the set went well. And I was like, oh shit, this is, you know, this is gonna be easy. I want to be a star tomorrow. And you know, I'm exaggerating somewhat, but I, but I didn't certainly didn't think it would be this this long a road. Right, right. Um, so that that's what did it. And then I just did it. Was doing open mics, you know. At the time, I was in law school. Well, you were at Fordham. Yeah, with Fordham Law. Um, so I would law was my day job. You know, as, as day jobs go, it wasn't bad, and I would go to law school by day. And so you were at Fordham d- down at like Lincoln Center. Uh, Lincoln Center. Yeah. So wow, so you could just kind of get out of class, go hit mics, and then yeah, you know, I mean, I I, I didn't do it that. I did about twice a week at that time. 
I, on Friday night, I used to go to the duplex. They had a they had a um, they had a uh, open mic night every Friday night. Oh wow! You had to buy a drink, and if you bought a drink, you go on stage for three minutes. Wow! So one time I didn't buy a drink by mistake. I forgot whatever. I got a call in the middle of the week. You have to come down here and buy a drink. Or pay for a drink now, or we won't put you on this. Instead of letting me just, I'll be on Friday when I see you, I'll buy two drinks. That wasn't good enough. I had to come down in the middle of the week to buy a drink uh, so that I could go on that Friday. I love it. Who? What, is that person still there? That's crazy. Uh, I don't, I doubt it. I love it. I doubt it. I love that. Come down but I'm, now. I, I don't know that, that that person made, you know, made that rule. It could be the duplex that told you, no, you need to get him down here and, Make he amends. has to buy a drink to now. Make amends with the purchase of a drink. Um, but anyway, so and then last, but then you got ca- last call with, was last call with Carson Daly your first? Uh, no, TV. no, no, no. I've done that. I, I, but I that was my first TV. Well, I had a couple like I did Friday Night Video on NBC, which uh, doesn't exist anymore. You know, Friday Night Videos. Remember that? Right, right, um, right. They used to have a comic on like between the videos, um, and I did uh, a couple other things. Louis Anderson Comedy Showcase. On okay. Not sure which network. Right, right, right. And um, my first late night talk show was Conan O'Brien. Oh, uh, that was, about, that okay. was like 1999 or something like that. Conan O'Brien. Oh, okay. And okay. Reese Witherspoon was was the other guest. At that time, she was. She was. She had just done. Um, she was before Legally Blonde. It was like she had. It she wasn't it, huge, huge, huge. Right, right. You know, she was just kind of starting to get known. But anyway. Right. So you know. I think huh. she was there with Ryan Phillippe at the time, I believe. Oh my God! Oh my God! That's like a time time warp. What? So then, so you got your first couple gigs. Then you were on the road. You were you were. Did you enjoy it then? Was it like the no? Novelty? I never enjoyed the road because you've never, no, never enjoyed it. But, but now, but but uh, there's a difference. But now I can't. I simply can't do it. At that time, I didn't enjoy it, but I did it. But now I just can't. I mean, I've hit a psychological wall with it. Right. And it's just no. I can't. I'd rather please. I'll you know. I'll wait tables. I, I don't I mean I'm not I'm not doing it. <laughs> oh wow. I mean it's that severe. I mean once or twice a year if it's local, like I did Boston, I did last Boston. It was not too far, no plane ride, and it's a decent city and I have friends there. Right. So you can so there's enough make a weekend of it. Shit going on that it wasn't as isolating, but you know, I'm not going to Acme in Minnesota. It's a great club. But I ain't going. Right, right. I ain't going there. Oh god. I mean maybe if they paid me 15 grand for the weekend which they would not and I don't blame them I'm not worth it uh, then I would go but but that's uh, not going to happen wow so your manager's like wow I just hold out for you have a well I we we have been getting one nighters uh, but but you know but how long and I have done some cruise ships though I don't love that either but for some reason I can tolerate that huh well, because um, you have fun. Other, well, that's you, all right, but can all you disappear into the crowd and on the cruise ship. Or just well, do that's whatever. hard to do. It's hard to do. I don't love that either, cruise ships. But uh, but I've done them here and there. Not not often. I just got a text. I forgive me. My obsessive compulsive disorder is kicking in. I have to check it. <laughs> <laughs> is it a text or a Facebook no- update or a? No, it's from the comedy seller. It's just. Are you up to someone that caught named Young? No, it's uh, Esty from the Comedy Cellar. Oh, Esty's the said somebody he would like to book you him for something. Called me, asked him for for me, like to book me. Oh, nice. Esty, for those of you who don't know, is the gatekeeper of the Comedy Cellar, the comics comic club down in the village, and the way you get into the 
comedy sellers. Like you have to have two referrals. It's sort of like well, a co-op. Well, they say that, but um, I don't know how it works. I, they say you have to have two referrals. How'd you get in? You just sort well, of like, I got in a long time ago where the system was different. They're always looking for people. It usually, yeah. If you have one or two recommendations, it depends. I mean, if you've just been, you don't, you know, if you've just been on on TV on a huge show or a sitcom and you're a star, um, then you don't need two recommendations. Right. If you're somebody they've never heard of, then maybe two recommendations would be enough for them to look at your C- DVD or a video on YouTube. And then they'll invite you in for an audition. Ah. I guess nobody has DVDs anymore, but they'll right. look at a video <laughs> on YouTube and, and, and then, uh, and then um, they can come for an audition. Right, right. And they're, they are always looking for new people, they're actively so. It's not a closed system like some other clubs are m- a little bit less open to it, I think. Oh, interesting. Because it's always. Like the seller has a reputation of being this club is so restrictive and so, you know. But but the truth is they are always looking. They you know I mean their standards are what they are, whatever they are. But they're looking for people. Right. I guess if you read the New York Times and the articles about it, it's always like Esty, the gatekeeper, and and there's other uh, other headliners in the drama of uh, I guess the uh, women aren't funny. <laughs> the w- women aren't funny. Kind of blow up. Was it a year ago? Two years ago already? Who was that? Oh, d- there was someone that just, in the Times, it said women aren't funny that started this whole hashtag of, like, oh. backlash. Anyway, we don't, have to go in, we don't have to go into that. That okay. was that was someone else's uh, slow burn. Yeah. Um, so, and then, so, what, how do you, what, like, what was your creative process? What's your creative process now? I mean, you're, you say you hit a wall with comedy. Do you, do you well, still, my, my are you still writing? I, I still write, yeah. I still write. And um, my process, I don't really have a process. I'm, al- I'm always thinking, you know, I write, I mean, writing takes place in your head, not at a keyboard. Um, keyboard is that's just typing, but um, so I could. I'm always thinking, you know. I mean, wherever I am, um, walking down the street or whatever, um, trying to be inspired. It, you know, my best jokes usually come easily. Uh, you know, where I, I think of an idea and it's just, uh, you know, sometimes I have to work on something and really shape it, and, and you know, it takes forever to get right. But usually, my best stuff usually comes easily. Right. Just have to be kind of. It's just it. when I s- um, see something that I think is funny and and it fits right. It just you know. Right. And do you like do it? Because some comics have a process. Like every day I get up, I just sit. No, and I mean I, I don't have a particular process. I just uh, you know. Yeah, there's no particular process with me. Yeah, and then have you? Written for shows? I never did that. No, I is mean that here and there. Of interest I w- to you? Because that's something you yeah, could do. Yeah, you, you don't have to sit in the back of a hotel room. You could sit <laughs> right. in the writers' room. Right. That uh, you know, it's not. I mean, I've submitted over the years here and there uh, with n- with no luck. But but uh, yeah, it's something that's uh, you know. Yeah. Po- I mean, I don't know. You know, I mean, I'm not tw- twenty five anymore. I don't know how much ageism there is in that in that world. But I think there is substantial amount. So I don't know. You know, uh, if that's realistic even at this point. But um. But yeah, it's I wouldn't rule it out. So then, if if I mean, this is an interesting conundrum. I've have because uh, other people I've had are like sort of exploding into their whatever, and they're all excited for the first time. And for you, it sounds like there's this like kind of like I can't take this anymore. Uh, <laughs> well, there's <laughs> that. Well, there's a lot of fear there. You know, I mean, people. You know, I mean, there's a lot of us now in our forties. You know, and uh, that work at the comedy cellar or wherever else, and we're all. You know, we're all doing okay, but it's like we don't know how for how much longer, you know, and, and um, it, it's a little bit scary. If you haven't made it big, but you have a cushion of a million dollars that you can just 
Hang all on. right, I'm all, okay. I'll be all right. But if you're still working at, and you're like, shit, I'm not making it in any big way, and and I don't know how much longer I'll be considered an old old, and uh, you know, and maybe I won't get gigs anymore. And I, you know, it's um, it's not an uh, a, a rare. Uh, I was talking to Gary Goldman the other day, and he was talking about waiting tables at the Comedy Cellar. And this is Gary Goldman, who is wow. You know, <laughs> A very last accomplished comics, last comic. Well, he's done a lot, but he's he's also you know had specials, and he's 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 a pretty in demand comic. And he literally said to me, "I think uh, in another ten years, I'm gonna, you know, that's all I have, and then and then I'll have to wait tables." Oh God! Now he no, I think he's exaggerating his own uh, situation. But but I'm I'm just my point I'm making is that you know that people are are in fear. I mean, there's <laughs> real fear there. But it's such a volatile business. I think people don't understand like. You can be like you guys have been in business for two or three decades, and then you're like, "Well, where's the next check coming from?" <laughs> yeah, like I mean, there's checks, there's checks, you know, but uh, but they're not huge checks, and um, you know, so uh, they're not they're not retirement money checks necessarily. Right, it's not like residuals that you're going to be getting off of. It's like yeah, well, it's not you know, or just huge money that you can bank. You know? Right, so. Um, you know, uh, this is becoming a comedy support group podcast. Um, well, you know, yeah. If you're <laughs> expecting uh, high on life, I guess you called the wrong person. I, I, I you know, um, you might want to call a comic that's been doing it for five years to get the uh, right, right, right. The optimism, but it's great because this is the whole. Well, this is like you know, it's important to get the full, the whole spectrum of like right. what. Every also, I'm, it's a particularly bad month for me, as I said. So you know, you wouldn't normally get this level of. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, this is a particularly difficult, uh, you know, time. But um, again, because I think because it, it, the new year is you sort of reflect and where am I? You know? Right, right. Now, there were some dating scenes on America's Got Talent. I mean, do you do speed no, dating? No, that just that was all, the producers came up with that idea. They said, well, yeah, oh, everything is set up. Right, right, right. The producers like, oh, would it be funny to do? So, uh, uh, all right, well, you know, um, I'm sweating. Um they suggested speed. That was their idea. I was like, all right, well, okay, fine. Right, right. I'm not against it, so go, uh, you know. Now, are you currently... And then we got there, and then they filmed me, and then they just, you know, th those girls were... Th those girls, I think, were, were asked to be there. I don't know how that worked. Uh, I think they just... I don't know if those were real speed dating people. I don't know what the hell that was. Right, right. They set it up, you know. It was all, you know, it's reality, but whatever, you know. Right. It's reality, quote, unquote. Right. Right. I, mean, I don't think I'm supposed to even say. I think I signed something saying I wouldn't reveal that. Probably. Oh, I, okay. Who the hell reads these contracts? They're 100 pages long. They give it to you five days before. You're like, all right, sign this and get it back to us tomorrow. Right, right. So yeah. nobody reads them. Right, right. Okay. Well, then in your but in your real life, is there what else are you pursuing relations? Let me let me get my. I got to take this sweater oh, off. Oh, okay. <laughs> Dan Natterman. In my real life, I'm, no, I'm not. I don't have anything going. My love life is pretty whatever, you know. Um, you find that doing comedy. I know. I don't find that doing comedy. I just find that I have real issues with 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 intimacy and closeness and right. That all that. Which is know. probably. Do you feel like that's also what what made you? Uh, uh, I don't know. Well, I, I don't know I one don't, I comic. Think it often goes together. You know? Right. I mean, there are certainly comics in good relationships. But there, there is a disproportionate amount of comics in 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 no relationship at all uh, that are deep into their forties, in some cases in their fifties, and have never been married and don't have children, and probably never will. 
and that's not uncommon. And right. It's, obviously it's a very lone wolf kind of business. You know, if you look at, uh, let's just look at, uh, take it random. I'm going to take it random, the comedy seller lineup for tonight. This is a random okay, we'll assessment do a random of comedians. <laughs> we'll and do a their, profile and of life. Life profiles of who's at the cellar tonight, and their habit, and their and their life, and their and their life, uh, their 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 relationship history, and or their marital history. Oh, you know, I'm getting terrible. Is there Wi-Fi in here? Oh, I'm really not getting any good. Um, yeah, I only got one one bar here. You know? Yeah, we're on the top of a. Well, they, oh, here it is. All right, no, I, it came through. It's just one bar, but it's like little engine that could, you know. I mean. Right. Right. <coughs> it's okay, William Stevenson. MCing. William Stevenson is in his, he's about 60. He's never been married and doesn't have any kids. Uh, DC Benny is married with no kids. He's in his mid-40s and has no kids, but he is married. Keith Robinson has one kid, is not married. Judah Friedlander, 40s, mid-40s, never married, no kids, probably never will. Um, Modi, not married, no kids, probably never will. Lenny Marcus is engaged. Oh, he's engaged, yeah, yes, yeah. He is. Dan Natterman, Never married, mid-40s, probably never will. Ted Alexandria, mid-40s, never married, no kids. Dub Davidoff, early 40s, never married, no kids. Todd Barry, early 50s, never married, no kids. Kevin Brennan, two kids, married. Um, David Tell, 50s, early 50s, n never married, no kids. Godfrey, uh, mid-40s, never married, no kids. Right, right. So... Um, and then there's like Sam Morrill, who's in his 30s, no, no, never married, no kids. Joe List right. in his 30s, never married, no kids. Um, Rachel Feinstein in her 30s, never married, no kids. Yeah. So Phil Hanley in his 30s, never married, no kids. So, you know, I, those guys in their 30s still have a shot. Right. In right. terms of, you well, know. <laughs> you think at 40, it's like. No, you don't, you don't <laughs> have a shot. But if you're in your 40s and you're never married and you have no kids, you probably won't. Because huh. in your 30s, you've never been married and you have no kids, you might. Huh. That's my, how I see it. Right, right. So that Phil Hanley, for example, who's in his 30s, I think late 30s, I believe. Is he looking? I mean, some people don't are um, interested. Like, like Ted Alexandro makes jokes about, like, I made it to Yeah, 40. I don't think Ted is actively looking to get married or have kids. Um, but Phil Hanley, I wouldn't rule it out. But we'll see in 10 years how many of those guys right. are, are married with children. Right. You know, I can't say. But I guess that's a whole math equation. We could do statistics of people in desk jobs. And percentage. Well, of I think most people in desk jobs that are in their 30s probably do have kids, you know, um, and are married and or maybe divorced. But uh, I would think I don't know. Right. Right. No, yeah. I'd be curious to know that. Huh. I would think so. I would think so. What what like who certainly anybody I know, mo most people I know that went to high school with and college with that are my age have kids. Right. You know, and so have had kids since their 30s, but not everybody. Right. And you grew up in New York City? Uh, no, Stanford, Connecticut. Oh, okay. Suburbs. Everyone there by 20-something got married and had kids except for you. No, I wouldn't say everybody, but, you know. Higher percentage. Right. It's a, it's a New York suburb, Stanford. It's not like a small town America. Right, right. Um, most of the people, yes. Yeah. Most of the people can. Now, what... Drew you like what were your inspiration? Who were your idols when you were growing up in terms of comedy? Like what? Well, at, uh, you know, Eddie Murphy was everybody's right. favorite at that time. You know, when he was delirious and raw. You know, um, as far as stand up is concerned. I mean, then a li little later, I was in college. I was you know Seinfeld, I, Woody Allen, who's not really a stand up, but he's done stand up and and his stand up is very good. When, when he only did like one album, I think. Um, 
yeah, I liked um, Jackie Mason. I discovered later, but you know, as far when I was really little, I just didn't know a lot of stand up. I I knew Eddie Murphy, right, right, um, and uh, so um, and Robin Williams. I just didn't know a lot when I was young. Um, you know, when I say young, I mean like elementary and middle school, right, and high school even. It was m- mostly um, mostly Eddie Murphy, um, and. Uh, I remember my, my, my friend, though, he uh, made me w- sit through uh, a Buddy Hackett special. I really thought I really liked him at the time. I don't know if I'd like it now. Right, right. And were your parents, like, you do a joke about the mashed potatoes being lumpy. Oh, yeah. You know, so did, that's did you feel like your parents were, like, really uh, strict? And No, no. You see, that joke is um, based on the fact that, you know, when you're a little kid, you don't know how, ev- how other families, you think your family is normal. And right. that's true. But then I added that, you know, I thought that every, you know, then I said to my friend, Mike, these potatoes are undercooked. Your mother's in for a beating later, huh? Because I thought they were just like our family. No, but my, no, my father did not beat my mother over undercooked potatoes. That, that was just <laughs> made up. But, but the reality of the joke is true, is that when you're right, a kid, right, you know, right. your parents are, you, you, you don't realize that that's unusual, whatever. Right. You know. well, so, what was unusual for you then? Like, like, was there, what was the thing that you found that was unusual between your family and the rest of the universe? Um, I, you know, I, um, nothing leaps to mind. There are things, but, uh. So that was just a premise and a, and a punchline. It wasn't like. It, it wasn't that deep, deep, deep into my own life. Cause it some people will get up there and they'll just reveal, you know. Yeah, no, I don't do that, but God bless you if you do. I, it's not my style. You know, um, there are comics that, that they're, you know, they're very raw. That's their lives. But like me, like me and David Tell, for example, this is just very stylized. Uh, jokes that have little to do. I mean, unless David Tell really does solve mysteries with a midget friend, <laughs> uh, which I doubt that he does, um, then I, I assume he's making it up. You know, but uh, David Tell, the truth is David Tell is a nice guy, you know, um, who, who, who leads, uh, I don't think, a, that adventurous a life. But yet his act, he's, you know, he had, well, he has one joke, or no, it's an older joke, where he says... Uh, you know, that he had sex with a girl doggy style. That's not how he planned it. It's just how she passed out. <laughs> it's, an old, it's an old joke of his. Uh, he hasn't, doesn't do it anymore. But anyway, the point is, is I, I, you know, David Tell actually is a respectful guy that does not have sex with unconscious women. Right, right. You know, he has uh, consensual sex only. He has consensual sex. I don't know if he has it that much. <laughs> uh, I, I don't see any evidence that David Tell is that sexual a creature. I may be wrong in that regard. I just don't. Right. I don't see what I observe him, and I don't. He doesn't bring women around, but maybe he has a lot to say. But 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 I, you know, he he's reputation in, is that a respectful human being? Mm. Mm. That's that's po- respectful and polite, and doesn't uh, rape unconscious women. So you know, um, so he and I are in, in that in that sense are similar. In that you know we do uh, those kinds of jokes that are not real. Mm. Um, Whereas Louis C.K., all of his jokes, sometimes they're not even jokes. Sometimes, here's what happened. It's a funny anecdote. Right. You know, but, but his, you, get a, you get a sense that everything he's saying, it, it really happened. Right, right. Um, that his kids are dicks. Yeah, he, that he really has those frustrating feelings toward his kids. Right. You know, and that, that he is frustrated with that and with whatever he's, he's saying. But um, that's his style, which obviously worked quite well for him. Um, what were your parents like when you started pursuing 
comedy. Well, I was in law school at the time, so they just figured, oh, he's in law school, so it's okay. Um, they were, you know, they're surprisingly not uh, upset by. I mean, people always ask that. Oh, they must have been like furious or upset or disappointed, but they weren't. Did they pay for your school? They did pay for my school. It was their ch- look. I didn't want to go to law school. They're like, oh, you should, you know, I was after college. I was like, I don't know what to do. They're like, you should go to law school. I'm like, I don't really want to go to law school. They're like, well, you should go. I mean, they were very. My father in particular was particularly adamant about it. I mean, I guess I could have said, fuck you, I'm going to New York and, and, and lived on my own. And, but I didn't have that kind of balls. So, I, I, you know, I just kind of followed along. But um, it wasn't my idea, believe me. But, um, but, uh, but when, I, when I then turned around and made the decision not to pursue it, because they knew I had the law degree, that it was there, you know. I right. guess that, that was it. Already by this time, my sisters were leading normal lives with husbands and I guess they figured, all right, two out of three ain't bad, you know. <laughs> you can't expect three kids out of three to have to to just fulfill every gold, expectation. to be gold medalists. You could, yeah, be or or to fulfill every expectation that you had. I mean, they right. probably would want me to have kids and be married, but like I said, you know, you got two kids out of three that did everything they're supposed to do. It's not that bad. It's a decent. Um, Decent record, you know. What would you be a lot worse? No, what yeah. would you do then if you weren't doing comedy? What would you? Well, I guess I'd be a lawyer. I don't know. Would you still uh, like? Is that something? I don't know. You know, I was thinking about entertainment law because I, I was wanted to be in entertainment, but since I was in law school, that seemed logical. But it's like, well, what I really wanted to be an entertainer, not an entertainment lawyer. So that was just me kind of settling for something right. I didn't really want at all. Because um, I was fascinated with Hollywood and show business, which is a fascination. Like it's not an unusual fascination. I mean, every kid wants to be a star, I think, or most, I would imagine. Right. Right. Um, I take it for granted, but maybe some don't. But um, maybe some want to be accountants. I doubt it. But um, right. I mean, I guess you know, some people must be like get really hot for numbers and some people might want to be. No kid wants to be an accountant. I mean, I'm pretty confident that that's <laughs> true. Uh, some kids might want to be physicians or lawyers because they watch L.A. Law. Well, in my day, it was L.A. Law or Law and Order. Like, they, make, they, they glamorize all this shit. So, right, right. Um, you know, that becomes like, it becomes like cool. Right. Um, or, or Wall Street now is kind of, you know, with like, uh, Wall, well, the movie Wall Street, which, you know, back that goes back a long time. But then there's the Wolf of Wall Street and then there's the big short. So Wall Street seems like kind of rock and roll, you know? It seems right. kind of cool. Right. Um, and and uh, and so probably kids want to do that too, um, but I don't think most kids. W- their aspiration is to just make a nice living, you know. And I mean, kids want to be st- stars in some way, right? Yeah, they want right. to be do something cool, whether it's be an actual star or doing something that's really cool, right? Or being a cowboy or something, or <laughs> you know, or a stand-up comedian. Yeah, and you're here, and it's frustrating. Yeah, it's amazing. But, but, but like I said, accounting. You know, what else do people do? Advertising. I mean, does any kid want to be in advertising? Maybe, maybe. I don't know. You know, uh, certainly, certainly not print ads. <laughs> <laughs> so, what would what would be like if I gave you a magic wand? Then what would you want? Like, just give me uh, a, the cash. Just give me just two give me, mil. Just give you cash. And just I mean, tell well, what's jokes? the least you? you but you, you, how much that magic wand? Can that magic wand get me twenty million? I'll take twenty. If it can only be five, I'll take five. I'll take one. I'll take five hundred thousand. Whatever I can get with that wand. Okay. And I then just want money to put away so it's cool. There it is, and it's done, and I can relax. And then I just do comedy. 
Right. And, do, and not have to worry about it. Right. And then you would just do comedy like yeah. in the city or something. Yeah, in the city. Man, I would chill out, man. Chill out. Just chill do out, do in the city. and Hit a couple clubs, do a couple yeah. sets. And, and then, then I wouldn't have to even think about doing on the, on road, the road and this and, and that. Yeah. yeah. That's really all I Because just, just the fun of comedy yes, is just getting in a room. Just distill the fun part out and leave the other shit the, behind. But right. that's if you said you had a magic wand. That's what I mean. Ideally, I guess if I had a magic wand, I'd be you know a huge superstar. But... But I don't even but, need that. Right, but it just sounds I don't like even need it's that. just the just joy. Give me the damn cash. It's just the joy of yeah. doing the comedy. It doesn't really matter whether it's you know. In a you want to be recognized. You want people to think, oh, this guy is really, really good, and you want everybody to know it. Right. Ideally, but right. short of that, just I'll take the money. Right. Right. You know. Um, right. Yeah, in an ideal world, everybody would you know I'd be on the cover of not because fame in and of itself is is a value, but just you want to be recognized as somebody that does it better, right? You know, uh, I I think anyway. Right. Well, because uh, if not, it'd be like every. I just don't want to feel like I'm just just at the same level as everybody else, and all I've accomplished is kind of just being okay. You know? <laughs> I want to be for someone who's been on so many. Well, but so a lot of people have been on these shows, you know. Yeah. So, um, but still, like percentage-wise, to me, ten percent of the population, four percent, one percent of the population. Most people don't try. Right. Right. The right. people that try, you'd be, you know, not everybody, no, but um, a lot. Um, I mean, I guess whatever level you're at becomes insufficient. You get used to it. It's like anything else. You get used to it. You right. Know? You it's acclimate like you, and you, you want acclimate to it. Like well, theoretically, all of us should be jumping for joy. That we live in America in the 21st century instead of, you know, in a war-torn region, you know, right, of the right, world. Right. I mean, that in and of itself, we've already beaten 99.9% of anybody that's ever walked on this planet. Right. And yet, we're not grateful for that. Or right. if we are, we're, you know, in certain moments, but usually usually we're not. Right. So I think because we're just used to we living in America in the 21st century. We take it for granted. That's Yeah, we, that's where we live. Right. We have a phone. We can swipe. Yeah. We can see everything. Yes, and exactly. That, nah, Whereas people, there are people that are living inside. in war. There's children that are soldiers, you know. Right. I mean, what was that movie? A Beast of No Nation or whatever? There was a recent movie about child soldiers in Africa. Oh, my anyway. God. Um, but, yeah, we're not child soldiers in Africa, which you would think would be something we'd be grateful for, but we don't really think about it. Right. And so I think it's the same thing. You know, like I'm surrounded by people who've achieved what I've achieved. Uh, so perhaps it just becomes the norm. And I'm so like, it's like hanging out with a bunch of supermodels that think they're fat. I guess so. <laughs> yeah, probably would. If, if your whole world is supermodels, you're like, oh, yeah, we're not so pretty. Right. Um, right. You know, I don't know if how, if that operates all the way up the food chain. If, you know, if Amy Schumer is because she's hanging out with Jennifer Lawrence and whoever else she's hanging out with. If, if she's like, Fuck, you know, I need to get to the next level. I, although I think in that case, she has to. <laughs> Has to know that she's pretty much at the highest level that there is, but right, right. But it's all new for her too. You know, you know maybe yeah. maybe in ten five, years she'll five, be five, like, ten ah, years she'll be God like, ah. damn it, she'll sound like Nick Nolte. <laughs> God damn it, <laughs> you know, and she'll be angry. I don't know. It's possible. You know, I don't see these famous people dancing a jig everywhere they go. You know, <laughs> so so I don't think I don't know how happy they are. How really, is Chris Rock when you were working on the film? Well, I mean, I barely spoke to him. Right, Chris Rock's not a. I don't think he's a. Super happy guy. I you know. I don't get that sense, but um, not he's not miserable. You know, I don't know. I just I barely spoke to him. I see him. I speak to him more when he's just hanging out at the cellar, right. the comedy cellar. He comes down. He hangs out and hey, Nadiman. Yeah, that's what he says to me. Hey, Nadiman. That's pretty much the length of our conversation. Um, we're not friends, you know. But right. you know. But he he got you in the his film. Yeah, he put me. He threw he put me and he threw me in the film. Yeah. Oh, well, that's you nice. Know, I guess. Yeah. 
That's Why not? You know, no, it's nice. That's not a douche move. <laughs> no, it's a nice, nice thing to do. What, did nice he ask you or did just someone? Well, not him himself, his people. Call, email, whatever it was. Yeah, Chris wants you to be in top five or whatever. Oh. I never, he doesn't call me up. And then I said, okay. I'll sh- I, and I showed up and I did it. You know. And, oh. Uh, and then he saw me go, Nadiman! It's like, hey, Chris, thanks for the gig. And that was about the extent of, uh, of, the, <laughs> of the whole thing. <laughs> I'm only laughing because I'm like, when I saw you, I'm like, oh, my God. I'm in the movie yeah. theater going, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and then he was gone, you know. But whatever. <laughs> Wasn't a star turn, as they say. Right. Right. What's like, well, I'm I trying can't to believe we managed to kill 50 minutes. Five yeah. whole minutes. It felt, it's, it's felt like an eternity. I felt like right. I'm standing on the edge of a cliff waiting well, for you to jump. <laughs> in any case. No, I, I hope it wasn't too somber. No, no, but I'm it, just trying to keep it real. But, like I but said, it's great because you know, it, it you to keep hear, it real. To hear, like to hear your, to hear what your journey is. It's like, wow, you've come yeah. 20, 20 years into this. You've been on, you know, from multiple Letterman's, multiple Ferguson's, you know, America's Got Talent semifinal. Yeah, but and then it's like it's well, still because you still don't know where the next right, check is coming right, from. We're not rich people that have done these shows. Right, right. You know, I um, mean, it's such a it's an interesting reality because I think people also get enamored in like they watch. I don't know, even Amy Schumer. Well, Amy Schumer is she, rich. She's yeah. exploded, yeah. yeah. But most people don't get to that point zero zero one percent But you're incredibly talented and funny, and there's lots of talented and funny people that aren't financially... That's what I'm getting at. You know. know. So it's kind of scary, because like, it's not a business that loves old people. It's not like you're a surgeon, you know. Or they, you, you, you go to, into surgery, you want to see a guy with gray hair. Right, right, you right. Know, you go to, or you, you walk into an airplane, you look at that cockpit, you want to see Sully. Some, yeah, right, right. You know, Sully was 60 or whatever he was at the time of the right, crash right, in the Hudson. Right. You want to see that silver-haired dude. Right. You know, but comedy is like, well, com- we want to see young people. We comedy. See, we want to see experience. We don't well, com- you know, comedy, yeah, it's like especially the networks. Like Comedy Central is like, we want the young hip guy, you know. Um, you know, I mean, the clubs, they're more tolerant of older um, the cruise ships there they insist on it but um, <laughs> but but you know it's not like it is there is ageism in that sense it's like you certainly don't want you, you never say I want to see an old guy if there's an old guy and he's funny you might put up with it right but right. like I said when you go into the, the cock uh, in, in, into a plane and you look in the cockpit you, you you know you want that gray hair is kind of comforting you know right um, and you know and and a surgeon and and a lawyer you know and um, you don't want a young hotshot lawyer with good hair <laughs> like, hey, I'm your lawyer. What's up? Hey, <laughs> check out my headshots. You know, yeah, you you want that. So, so this is not a business that favors old people, right. and so it's scary. You're like, oh shit, it's a race against the clock. Wow. And yet, Joan Rivers somehow. She yeah, no, I look, it can be done, but she got her. I think she got the bulk of her fame. Or, or once you're famous, right? They you can stick then around. Can stick a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they let you stay. If you're right, famous, right. they let you. Oh, there are people that make it older, but you know, it's like it doesn't help. And it certainly doesn't help with the networks. I mean, Jackie Mason made it older, but he made it his own way. He got into Broadway. But, like, if you're looking for help from Comedy Central, they ain't going to help you. Right. Once you're a certain age, you forget about them. Um, you right. know, you'll have to do it another way, you know. Uh, Mark Marin did it with his podcast. I mean, he was already well-known, but he, he became another right. level that, with that the definitely uh, But he had to go outside the system to do that, you know, and just co- completely out because everybody at the networks and everybody else is like, no, who is this guy? He's finished. Right, right. You know. And yet it's an interesting, in his IFC show, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's like... I haven't seen the IFC. Oh, okay, yeah. You, but, um, well, once he got famous enough on the podcast, then they had to get Because it's like, you see, this, this is what real people look like. You know, mm. real people live like. or I mean, uh, an idea of it. Yeah. 
it's so weird. Like not everyone's, you know, nineteen years old, just about to, whatever, get drunk and do it. Like, yeah. well, Dan, I'm trying to think of what we want in closing. What's uh, what would be your advice to other comics out there that are young and aspiring and? Well, uh, I don't have a lot of advice to give. When people ask me advice. I mean, you know, I mean, you've you've heard my story. If you still want to do it, you know. <laughs> Uh, God bless you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, you know, I, I would say that, yeah, I would just say, look, that's, know what you're getting into. Um, you know, it's long and hard, and and and, um, and, you're, and I would say this. If you're funny, and you, uh, you know, you will make a living. You know, all, I mean, it's not, like you, it's not like acting where you can be the greatest actor in the world and you still might not get the role. If you are funny, you're going to make a living at this, okay? But, you know, I mean... 99.9% chance you will make a living. But to become a star is another story. And that I can't give you advice on how to do that because I haven't done it. And so I don't know how that's done. Right. You know, but you can make, if you're funny, you will make a living either doing comedy or writing. Right. It is a right. doable field. It is not a ridiculous, stupid dream that can't be done. It's something that you can do if you have the ability to do it. And if you're willing to sit but in a I hotel say, room on the road. Yeah, <laughs> or, but you, or, you know, if you're willing to hustle and maybe you can get a writing job, you know. But I, I would say to an actor, and I'm not in acting, but I, I think with acting, I think you could be a great actor and I think you could still not work. Right. You know, right. that's my sense. Right. Well, there's definitely places to work for com comedians if you're willing to get in a car and go Yes, to there's places to work. You can work. And yeah. there's a lot of writing jobs out there. As well, that you know, if you pursue that hard enough, it can be it can be done. You know, you can't. You got to have some ability at it. You know, you can't. You got to have some talent at it. But again, it's a reasonable. It's not an unreasonable uh, goal. But becoming a star is a very difficult and uh, tricky thing that that I don't know how to do. Right. Right. I haven't figured out. Well, those, this this also reminds me of you. You you did the joke about marriage. And then when you ever ask someone about marriage. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they say they're not enthusiastic. They say, well, it's, you know, it's not easy. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Right. There's going to be the good days and the bad days. And comedy, I guess, is a lot like, a I mean, it's like having a relationship with comedy. It's like, it's like a marriage. You, you know, it becomes, yeah, I think comedians, you know, I don't look, I don't hang around with too many people that aren't in comedy. But um, it, it becomes, it, it, it. it it consumes you in a way that I'm not sure all jobs, some jobs do, you know, there's people that eat, drink and sleep real estate or finance or whatever else. Right. Right. But there's people that go, they do their job. That's how they make their living. They come home and they forget they leave their job at the, at the office and their job does not define them. But I think most comedians, our job does define us. Right. And our self-esteem is based on, you know, we, we, the most important thing for us is to be good. Right. Make and money and is and second great. place. And if he could be great. You know, make money is second place. For right. many people, they do job is to make money. That's the only reason they're doing it is to make money. Right. Um, and they just, you know, but for us, it's to, it's to do it better and better than we did it, you know, last year and hopefully better than most other people do it. Right. You know, our job right. is to, to reach a level of superiority, our, our, our goal. I speak for myself, but I think I speak for most. Right. Comedians. I don't think anyone does comedy. They're like, I can't yeah, wait yeah. to do a mediocre punchline. Well, and thing. also, <laughs> and it's not just like we go, we make a living, we come home. It, this, it, it's all consuming. Yeah, because you have to do it. it. You can't consuming. just kind of be a comedian. You right. gotta. You but it's but yeah, but it's also like a source of like you know, it's our hobby and our job wrapped up into one. Right. Right. 
Well, Dan Natterman, it's been great to have you well, on thank the you. show. Now I'm going to the comedy stuff. For more, you, you can check out Dan Natterman. I have uh, links at WTYPod. That's WTYPOD.com. You can go to DanNatterman.com as well. And you can see him often at the Comedy Cellar in New York City. I'm Rich Kampka. Thanks again, Dan Natterman. Thank you. Okay. It's a comedy journey.